This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Finally, real football is less than a week away. We no longer sit here and talk about third-string players and how they might be able to affect the depth on the Titans roster. We now get to talk about actual football questions and, and the game itself. But before we get into that, and, and previewing the Titans season and previewing the Raiders. We're going to talk about uh, the final 53-man roster. Uh, I'll just go ahead and ask you guys, any big surprises stand out to you guys? Obviously, the big notes, uh, Trey McBride uh, went to waivers, was claimed by the Chicago Bears, and Ty Smith made the roster. Yeah, well, I was going to say that my surprise is Ty Smith making the roster just because <laughs> – uh, I didn't really think he showed that much in preseason outside of maybe a few big hits, but I guess Malarkey loved his contributions on special teams. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, I didn't really see him flash on special teams all that much, but uh, I'll defer to the coach's, uh, coach's uh, analysis. Uh, and as for Trey McBride, if you see a Trey McBride fan out in the open, uh, please just don't mention what happened because it's a rough time for them. Um, but... Yeah, no, the big surprise was Ty Smith. That I can't think of any other huge surprises. Yeah, I mean, the numbers were weird because we kept so many defensive backs and linebackers when we only kept five wide receivers. I think that's one of the weirder points. Uh, a good surprise is we kept Josh Carraway, who I think definitely deserved to be on the roster, and he is going to mm-hmm. play some for the Titans this year, and he's a John Robinson guy. So, you, you know, he's... He's a happy addition because I, I didn't think the numbers would shake out where they were going to be able to keep him, but good good for him. Yeah, he deserved it. He played very well in the preseason. So there were a couple of players on the Titans' 53-man roster. I should say there are a couple of players who weren't with the team in the preseason. They traded a conditional seventh-round pick for defensive end David King from the Kansas City Chiefs, and a familiar face is back. Uh, Brian Schwenke, who was signed by the Colts in free agency, was released by them in order to make a waiver claim, and the Titans scooped him back up, cutting Tim Lolito in the process. So, Kevin, excuse me, Brian Schwenke is probably now the backup guard slash center. 
Uh, David King, don't really know what his role is because he's completely unfamiliar with Dick LeBeau's system. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, uh, I like bringing Schwenke back, especially because I thought Tim Lolito really struggled in the preseason. Uh, didn't flash well. Uh, he got beat a couple times, uh, more than a couple times, really, uh, when I watched him. So uh, I'm glad that they went back to the Schwenke well uh, because I think he's a very capable backup uh, a guard and center. Uh, he played pretty well when he came in at guard uh, last season. Uh, I think Spain missed a couple of games and Schwenke. He stepped in, uh, and the line didn't really miss a beat. So uh, I'm glad to see him back in the fold. Uh, very capable backup offensive lineman. As for King, I don't know anything about him, so <laughs> I'll lay that up to, to Will. Uh, I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I did uh, cut-ups on him after I saw that we uh, traded for him. So I have a couple of thoughts. He, he had a really good game against San Francisco where he had a sack in the preseason. I just watched this preseason because, you know, I, I – I don't want to look too far back, but no, he had a sack in San Francisco that looked good. He, it helps that he played us. So I know, you know, who the value of the guys he beat, he beat Levin pretty bad. Uh, one time where he just, I mean, pure speed and he didn't stop his feet through contact and he ended up getting in the backfield and Levin kind of hooked him with an inside arm. And if he was playing for us at the time, I would have called it a hold, or, but you know, he wasn't. So Levin's good. <laughs> Kept his body in front, whatever you want to say. He's a six four, two hundred eighty one is what he's listed at. He's kind of that Carl Clue type motor guy, where he's somebody you can put in and you can put him in at nickel defensive tackle. You should be able to put him at uh, the same position Daquan Jones plays uh, for the Titans. You know that base defensive end uh, opposite Jarrell Casey. That you know you can work him in that kind of. Uh, those kind of positions, but I like him a lot as a nickel defensive tackle. If Casey's, you know, tired or if they want to leave him at defensive end and do some kind of weird NASCAR package, but with bigger guys, but he should definitely play. You know, he, I, I like Austin Johnson fine. Uh, Sylvester Williams has some question marks for me, but he's he showed more in the preseason than both of those guys. So I, I think he's going to earn actual playing time early, and I think trading for him, you know, kind of shows that. Mm-hmm. So let's do. Just a big recap of the offseason. And before we do that, I want to start something new on the Titan Size Podcast, where every week we will have a Twitter question for our listeners. And this week's question is, which Titans newcomer, it can be a draftee, it can be someone we signed in free agency, David King, if that's your, if that's your kind of thing, hey, go for David King. <laughs> but which Titan newcomer will have the biggest impact on on the team from last year's 9-7 and seven record to whatever the Titans record is this year. Tweet it at us at Titan underscore sized with the hashtag TS podcast. And on the next episode, we will read out some of our favorite answers. Uh, so let's re- reviewing the off season. As I sat down and thought about how to sum it up very briefly, the Titans over the off season got faster and they got more complete. Every single free agency signing they made, there were no luxury picks. Everything was either this guy is going to make us faster in a certain area or this guy is going to fill a major hole we have. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think uh, more so than any other position uh, at receiver because if you look at the current roster, uh, the only receiver on the active roster right now that played last year is Rashard Matthews. Uh, so we've added four new receivers uh, out of five, um, and uh, those players that we've added are going to be key, key contributors this season. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely checks out, especially when you look at guys like Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis just in terms of being much faster on the outside. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even seen Eric Decker yet, and he's going to be huge in the slot and especially in the red zone. Yeah. There's been so much said about the Titans, not just locally, but in the national media, about how not only are they in prime position to win the AFC South, but they're in prime position to perhaps be a powerhouse in the entire AFC. A lot of people think they could be the three seed behind Pittsburgh and New England once the playoffs roll around. This is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2008, and every single year we sit at training camp and we say, wow, you know, these guys are going to be good this year. And then they win three games, and then they win two <laughs> games. And even last year, they it was good that they won nine games, but they only won nine games. Are the expectations for the Titans realistic? And if they are realistic, are they achievable? Uh, I think they're realistic, but I think we should maybe slow the roll a little bit. Uh, I don't think we should expect to go 13-3 and and just automatically become an AFC powerhouse. Uh, There's still some holes on this team. Uh, This team is still in a rebuilding phase. Um, A lot of people discount that, but it's true. Uh, There are a lot of holes on defense that still need to be plugged plugged up a little bit. Um, So I'm not expecting to just become the new Patriots all of a sudden starting this year. Uh, But I don't see a reason that we don't at least win the division, especially in a weak division and uh, considering we went nine and seven last year, we beat uh, we beat a, we beat a lot of playoff teams, uh, and our struggles came within the division. So, I just want to see the Titans win the division and beat teams within their division, and they seem capable of doing that this season. Yeah, I mean, expectations are pretty high for a team that you know tripled their win total, you know, in the <laughs> last year. So, I, I, I don't know. I think. 10 wins is realistic. I think we'll know a lot more about the team after week three and week four when they play the Seahawks and the Texans. Like, mm-hmm. if they can come out of that four-game stretch, three and one, beating two of the Raiders, Seahawks, and Texans, I think that shows you that this team is ready to take that next step because the biggest problem the Titans have had in forever is just taking a good step out of the gate. They, they never seem to start out strong, whether mm-hmm. it's – from a game perspective or, you know, on a drive perspective, you know, the first drives are always terrible for the Titans. They don't know how to start strong. If they can show that they can start strong now, you know, and then get into the kind of the softer part, you know, after that they get the Dolphins who new quarterback, you know, if you, whether you have faith in Jay Cutler or not, you know, they have a new quarterback, then they get to the Colts Brown, you know, it, it, the season kind of lets up for them in that middle stretch and then gets easier towards the end too. If they can start out three and one in that first quarter, I, I think this team is a twelve win, eleven win team almost easily. But again, it's a big if. They never start out strong, they never win in division. You know, if they can fix those two things, I think this team's expectations are fair. And on your point about the mm-hmm. strong starts, yep. I had someone tell me at one point this season that the thing that's always frustrated them the most about the Titans with Jeff Fisher, with Mike Munchak, with Ken Wisenhunt, with Mike Malarkey, it's that on the first drive of games, it's almost like, well, we're just going to try to get a feel for the game on this drive and understand the tempo. We're going to run up the gut a couple times, then punt, and then we'll come back out on the second drive and, and we'll we'll know what to do. If the Titans are wanting to be a contender this year, they've got to throw that out the window because that's what they've been. Even with Coach Malarkey last year, 
that seemed to be the case a lot of times. They cannot start slow. They cannot go three and out every single week on the first drive. They have to start fast. I think that's the biggest thing they need to do, and you were dead on with that point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of miraculous that we even went 9-7, and seven, considering how bad we were the first four weeks of the season. Uh, especially the offense. Yeah, the offense was disgusting to say the least um but man they they turned it on mid-season uh, and unfortunately it, the wheels came off in the jags game in week 16 but if we go about 500 or maybe get seven wins uh going into the last three weeks of this season uh we'll be fine because we play the the 49ers rams and jaguars last three se- last three weeks so we should be in good position yeah i mean we can talk about the offensive line, defense, all that kind of stuff, the running game, but this team goes as Mariota goes. If Mariota's doing well, this team is borderline unstoppable. I mean, we saw him kick an onside kick against Green Bay and give him the ball at the 50-yard line, and then once they were stopped that and Mariota got the ball back, they never looked back. I mean, it was a blowout, you know. And people talk about, well, he didn't step up against the, uh, the Broncos. He had two touchdowns called back, one for uh, – offensive pass interference and the other where they called Delaney Walker stepping out of bounds on the left sideline when mm. he didn't and you the replay showed it but they said it wasn't a replay he he had two passing touchdowns against the vaunted Broncos defense so it's not like he fails to show up and then even in the you know 20 degree weather or whatever it was against Kansas City he still managed to get the uh, team down the field in position for a 53 yard field goal to win the game uh, Mariota when he's on whether he's on for a quarter or a whole game it, when when the, the team has that they're good enough to win every game against every team except maybe the Patriots who I you know we haven't really seen them play so you know outside of that upper echelon I mean look at the Green Bay game if you have any you know confidence issues on where this team stands but no if if Mariota gets the ball and he's in a groove I I feel confident with him Mm -hmm. I hate when people bring up the the Broncos game just because our receivers were I mean Richard Matthews is fine but he's playing with Harry Douglas to Jay Sharp they can't separate against Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib I don't know what we're expecting yeah so looking at the rest of the AFC South uh, other than the Houston Texans, I think the Titans are pretty much universally going to be accepted as the best team. The Colts are nothing without Andrew Luck, and it's convenient because right now they don't have Andrew Luck. I mean, there's no weapon on the offense other than T.Y. Hilton. Their defense is led by an aging Vontae Davis who, as Will likes to point out, got torched by Tajay Sharp last year when these two teams faced <laughs> yep. off. And the Texans have that vaunted defense that has probably at this point overtaken the Broncos as the best in the NFL because of how good their front seven is. But they have no quarterback either. I mean, they're led by Tom Savage. But here's the thing. The last time that the Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Hasselback was their starting quarterback. The last time that the Tennessee Titans beat the Houston Texans in NRG Stadium, Matt Hasselback was the starting quarterback. Jake Locker never did it. Charlie Whitehurst <laughs> never did it. Zach Mettenberger never did it. Uh, if there's any other, if there's anyone else, Ryan Fitzpatrick never did it. The Titans have not been successful in their division in a very, very long time. That's going to have to change this year. Yeah, 
And I just want to point out that you forgot uh, to mention the Jaguars because they're making the playoffs. Obviously, uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't the think they were. They were worthy of being reason. mentioned. You, you uh, all are both correct. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Bortles as their quarterback, they're going eleven and five, easy. All right. Jokes aside, we really do have to play better in the division. I don't understand how we can't beat our division opponents, especially the Jaguars, who ruined our season last year. Um. That was was a depressing performance. And then Mariota goes down. But the Colts Colts thing is just, it's inexcusable. Um, Even with Andrew Luck at the helm, I know how good he is. But they haven't had a good roster in in ages. And we still can't beat them anyway. Uh, This looks like like the year that it'll all come together. uh, Especially on that Monday night game uh, at home against the Colts. If if they don't win that game and they lose to Scott Tolzien, well, I don't know. I don't know if Scott Tolzien is going to be behind center, but if they lose that game to the Colts at home, then it might just never happen. We'll never beat the Colts ever again. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start from the bottom and work our way up. The Jaguars have Blake Bortles at quarterback and a supposedly good defense, which is great. But the Broncos had this had a better defense last year and a better quarterback and we still beat them so that, that i'm i've got no confidence issues with the jaguars i'm, I'm going to go ahead and write them off the colts uh have no starting center that's worth anything because ryan kelly's out their quarterback's out Vontae davis is out for at least a couple of weeks is the word for t- from today so if you're missing your best defensive player your best offensive lineman and your quarterback I, I don't know how you don't lose every game, even if you're going against the Rams, but I don't know how you don't lose every game until at least some of those guys are back. Um, then are we, it, it, this is one of, a, one of I guess, a couple of hot takes I'll say today, but are we sure the Texans are that good on defense? Like, let, let me read you who's starting on their defensive line. Christian Covington, DJ Reader, J.J. Watt, <laughs> who's great, but he's dealing with back problems, who will... We'll see how that holds up. Everybody thinks he looks great. He does right now. He looks very good, but back problems are back problems. Uh, then at linebacker, you have uh, Whitney Merciless, who is a good pass rusher. Then you have Brian Cushing, who either can't stay healthy or isn't good for seasons at a time. Uh, and Bernard McKinney, who's really stretched out. And I think the uh, that there was this big thing the other day that uh, showed the Patriots dissecting uh, the Texans defense and they that's who they picked on that's that's how they beat them like a drum on defense as they went after McKinney so don't forget about the he's very good Clowney yeah Clowney not a very good player you know six sacks or whatever Whoa, that's, that's a hot take. great hot take. he's he's not a very I mean is it a hot take he only makes plays when he's unblocked or when he's against a tight end he's been that way since the last year in college he's a really good athlete and he steps off the bus and looks great but, I mean, we ran it right at him when we were scoring our touchdowns against him to come back. Uh, and it, we, we didn't run it where J.J. Watt wasn't. We ran it at Jadavian Clowney. We put Taylor Wan over on the left side and a tight end and just ran it at him. And he didn't do anything. So the, all this this hot take that Clowney is suddenly you know, <laughs> better than Mack and better than Aaron Donald and a really good player and the best defensive player from that class is, is insane to me. I, I don't know what he's put on tape where you look at it and say, yeah, that dude's a stud. In fact... I'm not 100% sure the Texans see that because they just paid a bunch of money to a bunch of different guys when Clowney's going to be coming up for an extension soon. 
I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're they're running out of money to pay guys, and Clowney looks like the odd man out because they're already paying uh, Merciless and J.J. Watt out the nose anyway. So we'll we'll see how much they really like Clowney when payday comes. But, uh, you know, even getting away from that, so let's say Clowney's good. Okay, so your best two players are J.J. Watt coming off a back injury and Jadavian Clowney, and you're also playing on the line with D.J. Reader and Christian Covington. That okay, that's that's fine. So you're a you're above average if you average everything out. So okay, then in the defensive backs you've got Jonathan Joseph, who's older every year, as everybody is, uh, and then you've got, you've got <laughs> he's Kevin older Johnson every year. <laughs> well, I, you know what I'm saying. He's getting slowly, slowly. He's he's reaching that whole. He's thirty three. He's getting yeah, up there. I mean, man. I mean, he and Vontae Davis are slowly aging out as the best corners in the division. So. You know, take that for what you will. Then Kevin Johnson is a guy they didn't want to start for their team last year mm-hmm. because they wanted to bring back AJ Boye, who was fine. I mean, I mean, he he was a good player, but it's not like he had been dominant for years. I mean, they they had seen eight to ten games of him really be that top echelon quarter or cornerback. So, uh, you know, they didn't want him to start, but he's starting now. So that's that's fine. Then their safety safeties are Andre Hall or Hal. And uh, Corey Moore with Eddie Pleasant <laughs> rotating in. Th- those don't scare me. Uh, so, I mean, again, like I said, this is a hot take, but I don't necessarily think that we should just defer this defense as the greatest defense, you know, of our generation. I mean, are they better than the Broncos or Seahawks? I, I don't I don't know how you say yes, even with Shane Ray on IR. So, you know, am I worried about us winning in division? Yes, that's a nightmare. We never seem to do it. You know, all all those kind of things. Whatever. The AFC South is always way harder for the Titans than it should be. But do I think the Texans are some big bad Goliath on defense? No, I, I don't think they're that good. And they may come out and they may have the best defense in the league. And I could be wrong. But right now, I look at them on paper and I don't see anything terrifying. Especially if JJ Watt needs a year to recover from back surgery, which some people do. It's back surgery. It's a major deal. So that that's that's my rant on the AFC South. You know, it was last year after the Kansas need... City Chiefs game that you started seeing all these articles about, you know, the Titans have proved with this win that they're a pl- playoff caliber team. If the Titans can go into Houston in, what is it, week four or five, take care of business. I'm not talking about the slow start and the Texans go ahead 13 and nothing and we kind of scrap and claw back and win in the end. I mean, they walk in there, they take care of business, they win the game. I think you'll start to see those articles again. We're going to find out soon if the Titans are a playoff team uh, because the first four weeks are against the Raiders at home, uh, at Jacksonville, well, yeah. uh, against the Seahawks at home, and at Houston, the Texans. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out pretty soon if, if the Titans are for real this season. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big four-game stretch. So let's start talking about the Oakland Raiders, the Titans' first opponent of the 2017 season. It is CBS's number one game because Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be in the booth. Uh, It's a really big game between two teams that are expected to be powerhouses in the AFC and two young quarterbacks who are among the best in the NFL, Marcus Mariota for the Titans and Derek Carr for the Raiders. I've seen a lot of stuff over the offseason about whether or not Marcus Mariota is better than Derek Carr and I'm on the Titans side of things but I tend to believe that Derek Carr has proven more than Mariota has at this point what's your guys opinion of Derek Carr as a quarterback maybe compared to Mariota 
here's the thing about Derek Carr. He gets so much time in the pocket, and he doesn't move in the pocket. He just stands back there, and he's able to pick apart defenses because he has a bunch of time, and he has Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree at his disposal. Now, Mariota is going to have not the same type of weapons, but almost almost about level. Uh, and the Titans offensive line is, is nearly at the same level that the Raiders is. So we're going to see this season who exactly is better. Um, they're both. There are a lot of parallels. They're both coming off those those leg injuries. They both have a good offensive line. They both now have really good weapons, and they're both still in a rough first offense. Um, so uh, I don't want to go by numbers or anything, but we'll see this season who uh, who's the better quarterback. But I mean, if if you ask any uh, like uh, person that breaks down quarterback play uh, with film and whatnot, uh, Mariota comes out higher than Carr in in most rankings unless you you would like to lean towards Mariota because he's the hometown guy and and you know we have all these weapons I lean towards Carr for now just because I've seen him resurrect Michael Crabtree Michael Crabtree's career and he's helped Amari Cooper become one of the best young receivers in the NFL so until Mariota does that with Eric Decker and you know Corey Davis which I, I have full confidence that he can I have to defer to Carr but like I said, would I rather have Carr or Mariota in three years? I'd rather have Mariota. I think I think now that he has those weapons, he will outclass a lot of the younger quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The, I agree. The talk all offseason for the Titans has been their secondary. They, they're pretty set at safety. Kevin Byard is going to be really special, and Jonathan Cyprian is one of the best, other than probably Cam Chancellor, the best run-stopping safety in the NFL. Uh However, the cornerbacks aren't quite up to that level necessarily. You have Logan Ryan, the veteran. You have the second-year player, LaShawn Sims, and you have the rookie athletic sensation, Adoree Jackson. Those guys are going to get perhaps their biggest test of the entire season, week one, covering, as we talked about, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, two bigger wide receivers that also have a lot of speed and are very precise in their route running. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm not sure how they're going to match, or I'm not sure if Dick LeBeau is going to mix and match his quarterbacks, how how he's going to use them. But the Titans cornerbacks didn't exactly inspire confidence this preseason. Uh, I wouldn't say any of them played particularly well um, throughout all three games. Um, so there's going to be a huge test. Um, but uh, the Raiders' defense is also not very good. So I think this has the potential to be a very high-scoring game both through the air and uh, through the running game. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I'm doing if I'm calling the game, I'm putting Adoree Jackson on Michael Crabtree because I don't want him to get double moved by Amari Cooper, who has the better footwork. Crabtree is just the throw it up mm-hmm. kind of guy. You you have to leave your high paid you know corner free agent acquisition and Logan Ryan on their best receiver, which is Cooper. Um, I think it's tough. I think you've got to send a lot of pressure this this week. I think you can't let that offensive line sit back and block four guys and trust three or th- trust your two linebackers to drop into coverage and then also drop uh, you know Brian Rackpo or Derek Morgan or you know whoever they've got an outside linebacker. I think you've got to send at least five every play and you've got to get creative. You've got to attack the tackles who I think are the weak spot in the line. Uh, you don't want to go after Osimile Hudson or Gabe Jackson. I mean, th- those guys are like stud. I mean, that might be the best interior from left guard to right guard in the NFL. 
you want to attack uh, <clears throat> the older Donald Penn, and you want to go after Videl Alexander, who I don't think are necessarily that good. But yeah, th- there has to be some pressure to help those young cornerbacks out. Mm-hmm. I'd go with a lighter box actually at a game like this. I don't think I don't think thirty one year old Marshawn Lynch is going to do that much damage, to be honest. Um, so I want to see the Titans focus on taking away uh, Cooper and Crabtree somehow. Uh, if it means double teaming them or using safety help or, or whatnot, but just don't let those two guys beat you. Let someone else beat you. Yeah, it's not a bad game to run out the Jayon Brown and uh, Wesley Woodyard linebacker mm-hmm. group where you send one of them, have the other one cover a big part of the middle of the field. That way you can get five or six guys going and trust that your run fits will be there. Got to cover Jared Cook. <laughs> Something else that's been a bit of a shocker in the Titans preseason is the general ineffectiveness of the offensive line. We've talked a lot about that on this show, uh, but this week, as will the cornerbacks who were a talk of the preseason, the offensive line will probably get their biggest test of the preseason or of the entire season in Week One as well, having to block both Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin, two of the fastest and two of the better, Mac probably one of the best, but but Bruce Irvin, one of the better edge rushers in the entire NFL. I think if they're able to shut down those guys like they were able to do last year when these two teams faced off, that's going to go a long way to not just helping Marcus Mariota, but also helping DeMarco Murray in the running game. Yeah, Jack, Jack Conklin kind of stonewalled uh, Khalil Mack last season, which was amazing. Um, so I definitely want to see the same thing happen. Also with Luan on, on the left side with uh, with Bruce Irvin. Um, the Raiders do have a, a couple good players on the defensive line also. Mario Edwards and, and Eddie Vanderdoes, who's a rookie. Um, they're good players, but I, I know the, the Titans' offensive line was not good in the preseason. Uh, uh, but a lot of it was communication-based. Uh, they were just breakdowns in communication. Uh, I'm assuming... It's going to be it's going to be cleaned up uh, by the regular season opener. Uh, I think it will. Uh, those kinds of those kinds of communicate breakdowns you get. Uh, I'm hoping it does. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the defensive backs for the Raiders are great, but I think if you load up the box, you have a real mismatch. If you bring in Dennis Kelly as your extra tight end and you run a seven man offensive line. You know, if you've got Supernaw and Kelly on the outsides in this offensive line, you end up going against uh, Markel Lee and Corey James, two names that I'm not sure are people that exist. Uh, and and you, you get to go against them as their inside linebackers there. And if you can, you know, get those guys to stop the run, you should be able to make hay. You know, I, I like Bruce Irvin fine as a pass rusher, but he does not want to be run at. He's he's a slight guy who wants to win with this first step and get to the quarterback. If you can run right at that guy and you don't have to deal with Mac at all, that's that's your option. That's where you go. Mario Edwards is fine. Um, I think he's an above average defensive lineman. I think he'd be you know a really good fit with the Titans. That kind of you know player. But at the same time, I think DeQuan Jones is a good guy, but. I don't necessarily see him as an impact defender. So if they can keep Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin from terrorizing him around the edge, which they did in the preseason game last year and in the game last year, I mm-hmm. think they'll be fine. And they did that without uh, Delaney Walker, I believe, because I think they had Jason Morrow have to come into that game. So you also have that factor, which if Delaney Walker's healthy that full game, then I think we see a different outcome. Yeah. They're, they're linebackers and, 
and secondary are not that great. They they've been bad in the preseason too. They've been getting lit up. So I, yeah, I think the Titans I mean, should have a, a very good day on offense. The Rams put up significant points on the starters mm-hmm. for the Raiders to tell you, you know, kind of where they're at. Yeah. Talking about their secondary, when the Raiders are in a nickel set, they're, I guess, going to have Sean Smith, if he's healthy, which I think he's healthy, uh, Gary and Conley, the rookie from Ohio State, and David Amerson. All three of those guys are bigger-bodied corners, and the Titans' top three receivers are all bigger-bodied receivers. Rashard Matthews is like six foot even, but you have Decker, who's six three, and Corey Davis, who's six three. So, for I say that to preface this point that Delaney Walker and Taewon Taylor, I think, are in for big games this week because the tight the, the Raiders' corners, because of their size, aren't going to have a ton of trouble matching up with the size of the Titans' receivers. But you mentioned their inside linebackers, who no one's ever heard of. They're going to have a, a, a nightmare trying to cover Delaney Walker. And when they're not in nickel mm-hmm. sets and a linebacker is having to cover Taewon Taylor in the slot, look out. Yeah, uh, don't quote me, but I think the Raiders were one of the worst teams at covering tight ends last season, or possibly for the last two seasons or something like that. Eh, I don't know. And Our also, when they go nick, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Avery Williams says, but yeah, when they go beer. nickel, <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about it. Uh, yeah, when they go nickel uh, with TJ Carey uh, probably inside, uh, I think that's a good. Um, a good time to put Eric Decker in the slot uh, because Eric Decker would have like a four inch advantage on carry uh, and he could just body him out on, on, uh, on those in routes and, and those seam routes. Um, they do have Smith and Amerson are bigger bodied. Uh, they're, they're big. They're just as big as Corey Davis and Eric Decker. So I kind of want to see Decker play more in the slot uh, and then push out maybe Matthews out wide or even put Taiwan Taylor out wide. Matt- Match him up against Sean Smith, uh, who's kind of slow-footed, and Tywan Taylor could kill him on those in routes. So I definitely want to see them mix and match uh, where they put their receivers. Yeah, I'm not sure we see a slot corner more than like 10 times this game, which sounds weird on paper, but think about it. If you can put two tight ends, so let's say they don't go with Kelly and they go with Jonu Smith, and so they have Jonu Smith and Delaney Walker as their two tight ends. If you come out with that personnel and walk to the line of scrimmage, they've got to have three linebackers. So, it, you know, and that's that's if you don't call Bruce Irvin a linebacker, which is what he's listed at, but it's not really what he is. So if you've got him playing on the end and you've got three linebackers in the box, you're bringing one of their bottom players onto the field, taking out Gary and Conley, David Anson, or Sean Smith. Because they're not going to run nickel against uh, a two-tight end set. It doesn't make sense. So if you can get that formation onto the field, you bring that out, and then if they're really going to let Mario to call the plays at the line and hurry up, you keep that personnel out there. You hurry up, you shift Jonu or Delaney out, and then you've got that mismatch on a linebacker there. And you can even come out with Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis as your outside receivers and then motion them into a trips look where you have Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, and Taewon Taylor on one side and Jonu Smith and DeMarco Murray on the other side. You know, DeMarco Murray's still in the backfield. But 
you know, you can't defend that without a third cornerback effectively. And then now you're talking about having the talent to out scheme a defensive coordinator, which is not something the Titans have had in a long time. So I would not start out with a slot corner. Now, if their linebackers were covering the tight ends well enough, then you start worrying about bringing Taewon into the slot and getting a speed matchup or putting uh, Eric Decker in the slot and getting a size matchup, depending on who they're playing at corner. But if I don't have to, I, I'm I'm not letting them get away with three bad linebackers on the field. I was correct in my in my thought in my theory. Uh, the Raiders were gave up the fifth most yards to tight ends last season, and they were bottom ten in touchdowns given up. So there you go. Delaney's Delaney and John are going to eat Mike Malarkey's dream. Yeah, for real. So as we close out the show, uh, I want each of you to give me a key to winning this game. We talked a lot about the matchups, but if the Titans are able to do X, they have a great chance to win this game. They need a, they need to not let their car throw for three or four touchdowns. Pretty much. Uh, they can't let Carr just keep moving the chains with Crabtree and Cooper the whole game. Uh, the cornerbacks need to step up. Um, I'm fine. If Marshawn Lynch beats us, honestly, I'm not expecting him to, He's 31 years old and he hasn't played. He hasn't played in two years, so uh, I'm not too concerned about their running game. Uh, I am concerned about Derek Carr getting so much, so much time in the pocket uh, in order for him to pick us apart. So we need to get pressure and we need to hold Crabtree and Cooper to to under 100 yards for each of them. Yeah, I mean, I just think if you can get a turnover or two off of Derek Carr, you really help your chance. And that sounds obvious, but I don't I don't think the Titans will be a real high-flying offense, especially early in the season. I think they'll try to stick to what they know is conservative, efficient offense that leans on the tight ends unless you get a mismatch on the outside. I think if you can be effective on offense, which Mariota has always shown to be, and you can cause a turnover to you give the defense comp and you give them short field, I think easily makes a difference. And I think the Titans already should have the edge at home, but if they can mm-hmm. make Derek Carr uncomfortable and get a turnover or two, I, I really like their chances. Mm-hmm. We also can't turn the ball over. Yeah. So one last point about the Raiders before we close this episode out. And the three of us have discussed this a little bit. Uh, when the Titans played the Raiders in 2015, the game that ended in a... a uh, a phantom non-call pass interference last year's ended in a phantom call pass interference Seth Roberts of the Raiders had six catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns last year when the Titans played the Raiders this is 2016 the nine and seven year Seth Roberts two catches 27 yards and a touchdown a little bit more modest but he still made his way into the end zone for whatever reason, this is a guy that the Titans have been given fits by every single year, and the Raiders just gave him a contract extension, which tells me that he is the number three receiver for this team ahead of Cordero Patterson. The Titans have to cover Seth Roberts this week. We talk about uh, Pro Bowlers and Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. you got to cover Seth Roberts. <laughs> um, it's because they keep kept lining lining him up in the slot and he was just destroying our our slot cornerbacks or our linebackers um i think this game is a jared cook revenge game and <laughs> he's gonna score a touchdown on us because he's a tight end it's happening uh 
Okay, that I, I'm thinking just the opposite. I think they're going to trot him out, and Jayon Brown will cover him, and he'll get a pick, and we'll all realize that Jayon Brown wasn't just a preseason hype, you know, machine. <laughs> it, it's all real, and we'll be all excited. I also think this is a conspiracy theory, but I think they're hiding the Logan Ryan and the nickel look, and they're going to put him inside in the corner to shut Seth Roberts down, and then they'll help uh, Lashawn Sims over the top with Kevin Byard and. It, it'll look exactly like we hoped it would in the preseason. They just won't have shown it, and then the Raiders will have no answer for it. I know I said that was our last point, but I want to talk about what you just <laughs> said, and this is really going to be our last point. Uh, Mike Malarkey just said in his press conference that he will not reveal until the game the pecking order at cornerback. But something, Will, that you've been saying all off season seems to make the most sense for the Titans at cornerback. In base sets... For right now, anyway, you have LaShawn Sims and Logan Ryan with your two linebackers and, and your front five. But when you go into nickel, kick Logan Ryan inside and put a Dory Jackson on the outside. Because Dory Jackson is not experienced as a nickel cornerback. He didn't play nickel at USC. He was an outside guy. And you're not going to put LaShawn Sims as a nickel cornerback. Logan Ryan is arguably a better nickel cornerback than an outside cornerback. I think that's easily what makes the most sense for the Titans. Yeah, it's that's that's one hundred percent what's happening. Dick LeBeau's smarter than the rest of us, and he's just keeping it under wraps. On Sunday, in a game that counts for the standings, the Tennessee Titans will take on the Oakland Raiders in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. That will be on CBS at noon. Titans Radio will have coverage. It's going to be a really exciting day to see if this team that has been so hyped up over the last several months is going to be able to live up to it all. Uh, but until then, we, we will be back uh, next Monday, I believe, to recap that game. Until then, I'm Luke Worsham for Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. This has been the Titan-Sized Podcast. Don't forget about the Twitter question. Let us know on Twitter, at Titan underscore size, with the hashtag TS Podcast. Which Titans newcomer you think will have the biggest impact this year? We will talk to everyone on Monday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.